Hey, Dylan here. Before we roll the intro and get into today's episode, there's something that I quickly want to share with all of you listening to this. So given the current situation in the world, live content is becoming more and more important for SaaS companies right now. Webinars, roundtables, and online events are taking over. And if you've tried running any of these yourself, you know just how difficult they can be. And that's where today's sponsor can help. Restream allows you to broadcast live, engaging video directly from your browser to 30 plus social networks at the same time. They power over 8 million live streams every single month and are already trusted by companies like Cisco, IBM, and Microsoft. And more importantly, I love Restream and I'm using it every single day. So with this sponsorship, they're enabling us to take this podcast and my own live streams to the next level so that we can bring you even better interviews. If you would want to try it out, please visit restree.am forward slash Dylan. That's R-E-S-T-R-E dot A-M forward slash Dylan. It'll take you straight to the homepage and show them that you came from this podcast. They have a great free plan that you can use to test it out. And you'll also get a $10 credit when signing up using that link. So once again, that's restree.am forward slash Dylan. Okay, let's get into today's show and roll the intro. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the SaaS Marketing Show, a weekly podcast for founders and marketers within SaaS and B2B tech. You'll be hearing from senior marketers and founders at some of the most exciting companies in the world. You can expect to hear advice, results of experiments, and exactly what's working behind the scenes of some rapidly growing SaaS and B2B technology companies. No top-level BS, actionable stuff only. My name is Dylan Hay, and I'm one of the co-founders of Hay Digital, a PPC and CRO agency that helps SaaS and B2B technology companies grow. I just happen to also be the host of this show. So when we're not interviewing senior marketers or founders, we'll be sharing behind the scenes of our business and exactly what's working for our own customers, many of whom are just like you listening to this podcast. Okay, let's get into today's show. Are you looking for your next scalable acquisition channel? Something that consistently drives new signups and demo requests. Sounds like it's time to introduce PPC. At Hey Digital, we're experts at helping SaaS and B2B technology companies grow with paid ads. Learn more at heydigital.co. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the SaaS Marketing Show. Today, I'm joined by Ollie Bridge, who is the head of marketing and growth at Bonjuro. So Bonjuro is a platform that allows you to send perfectly timed, personalized videos to help better convert, onboard, and support your customers. I hope I've got that right, Ollie. I think I have because I I'm, like use platforms like yours fairly frequently. So uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Looking forward to talking with you today. Thanks very much. Yeah, good to, have, uh, good to be on. And uh, yeah, you got that perfect. I have some notes jotted down here and you basically got it word for word. So <laughs> perfect. Well done. Great. Cool. So I'm sure like most people listening to this will know about video tools, whether it's like from a sales perspective, from a marketing perspective, people using tools like Bonjuro, Loom, maybe Drift Video, whatever people choose to go with. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to hear a bit more about how you guys are 
like growing the business, positioning against some of those people too, what the differences are, etc. Um, but the main focus that we agreed on for today's episode is something that is super valuable actually, because I see this question asked time and time again in the SaaS Growth Hacks Facebook group, for example, I had a call with a friend of mine who's a head of growth at an early stage startup two days ago, and he was asking me, hey, how do I build out our referral or our affiliate program? I see these questions all the time. And today our focus is going to be how you guys have created, you said to me, a B2B, like a SaaS B2B influencer channel at Bonjuro, which I find interesting. I want to talk about that too, because most people don't necessarily call it an influencer channel within B2B. But before we deep dive into some of those areas, Maybe you could share with us a quick top level of Bonjuro, what you guys do, and, uh, and then we'll just talk some, some numbers and some of the growth that you've had recently. Yeah, so I think you put it pretty nicely. So like Bonjuro is, in its simplest terms, it's a video email tool at the moment, but really like it goes a bit deeper than that. So we plug into your CRM, your marketing automation tool, whether you're in sales, whether you work in CS, to help you send personal videos at the perfect moment to engage your customer. So that could be whether you're a salesperson looking to maybe convert more customers by doing something a little bit more personal and mm-hmm. you know, engaging them in that way, or you're in CS and you want to give a better onboarding experience to make sure you get better activation, or if you want to you know, do a better job of customer support so your customers really get a sort of deeper experience with you and your brand and feel valued so people stick around more. Um, yeah, so as I say, like simply, it's, it's video email, but it's, it's more than that in the sense that yeah, plug it into your CRM, your marketing automation tool, and you get pinged notifications to send videos at the perfect moment. And you can send those videos from a web application, you can send them from a mobile app. And really, we're really big on the mobile app side of things. I think in terms of the marketplace for video, like mobile apps, like way ahead of everything else. And that's because I think as a company, we've always been fully remote. And we have, I guess, like a culture and an ethos, which is like to connect with customers in a way that you're comfortable with. And I don't Mm. think like everybody is comfortable in an office recording a personal video in like front of all of their like colleagues and stuff being overheard. So, you know, we do a lot of ours. We'll go for like a lunchtime walk and we onboard like at the moment, like a hundred signups a day and we'll go and do a lunchtime walk and send onboarding videos. And yeah. And, and the driver behind what we're trying to solve with Bonjoro as well is making the whole personalized video thing scalable. So you know, a very quick example is that we give you, you can pull in your CRM data into the Bonjoro app so you can see it at the time of recording. So you're not having to like circle back, like look back at an Excel spreadsheet or look back at your CRM. We want to enable you to sort of connect with your customers wherever you are in the world. So That's awesome. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of technology like this because when I, when I worked at Hootsuite, would have been maybe three years ago now, three and a half years ago, I can't remember exactly, but we in the sales team was starting to use video back then because actually a few of the like senior product people span off from Hootsuite and created Vidyard, which is like one of the other video tools that was out there. And at that time when I was pretty heavy on like outbound sales, using video in our sales cadences three and a half years ago when nobody else was doing it, it was like a huge differentiator between us and anyone else, any other messages that were coming in. So it worked really well, but actually really interestingly what you said back then, I like not everyone on the sales team used it. And I think for the reason that you said a lot of people were nervous about like people being around and I was nervous about that too. So what I would do is I used to go and book a phone booth or a meeting room for like half an hour or an hour and batch my videos whilst I was in that room. So no one else could see. So it's, it's interesting that you say that actually. And yeah. um, 
Yeah, I, I think the, the use case that you talk about with the CRM connections and everything like that is really interesting to me because I, so I use a video tool. I use either Drift Video because we're a Drift partner, so I use it every so often, but I've gone back to using Loom more recently just because the video quality on Drift is like struggling a little bit at the moment. But for my personal use case, I, I don't need to use it too much. I'm using it to like communicate with people in our team on quick tasks. And then sometimes if our customers for any reason, we're not having our weekly call or they're traveling or something. I just need to share something quickly. I'll send them yeah. a quick update. So I, I don't need it tied into my CRM system for something like that. But my previous like life when I was at Leadfeeder or at Hootsuite, I'm thinking when I was at Leadfeeder, if for our signups that were coming in, they were automatically being like categorized so that we could then make that process of reaching out to them very, very easy. I think, I think that's really cool. Are, are the competitors doing that too? Or is that something that's like specific to Bonjour? How does, how does that look? It's something we, we really set out to, the whole sort of scaling it thing was something we set out to solve very early on. So other competitors are sort of doing the video thing, but where we're, so integrations is like at the heart of what we do. So it's mm -hmm. like helping you send it at the right time and having the right information to do it. So that's like one of the big things. Like obviously sort of the mobile stuff, so you can do it from anywhere is really big as well. There are a lot of, like, you've touched on a few of them. There are a lot of, with video, there are lots of, like, little nuances. Until right. you start working in it, and we've been doing this since, like, we launched the beta end of 2016 and went paid January 2017. There are a lot of little nuances that you don't see until you start using it, um, like the one about people not being that comfortable recording in front of their desk, so they might not use something like a Loom, you know, like a Chrome recorder. Um, and all of that stuff is, like, all the stuff we're picking through and figuring out at the moment. And all of that, again, you know, like any good sort of marketing or product building is about just listening to your customers and, mm -hmm. and, and tweaking and tweaking your product until it's perfect for your particular use case. I'd say in terms of like the, I try, I've got this mental model for how people can use video as well, which I'd like to share. So in terms of where Bonjoro fits in, I'd say there are sort of three types of place you can use video as a marketer salesperson. So we're really about high touch. And I look at high touch as when you want a response from someone or whether you want to drive action from that person. And in my opinion, if you want one of those two things, you should be doing something personalized, whether that's a very personalized email or a personalized video, then you should be going that route. And then like down a step, like medium touch. For me, this is about maybe you want to educate your customers or just update them about something so that for that, you could use something like a screen recorder like a loom or we're just about to launch our own screen recorder here actually on Monday. So you could use Bonjoro's Chrome recorder for that. And then below that low touch is really, I guess like transactional and you could use like any other platform for that. So Bonjoro sits very much in the high touch part of things. And then also in the sort of medium touch side of things, but we're not really interested in the low touch sort of transactional side. Sure. Yeah. And I think that, that makes a ton of sense to me. And I would imagine at a time like the present, like we're not going to touch on everything that's going on in the world right now, because I'm kind of fed up of doing that on calls with every, everyone, as I'm sure you are. But at a time like now, one of the, one of the most important things is having that additional layer of personalization with our communication with each other. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm seeing even some of our customers that we work with at Hey Digital, like there's one in particular, a company called Document360, a SaaS business who we support. And uh, Sunil, who we work with there, like when we first met, of course, we were always like cameras on, on Zoom calls or whatever. Over time, he kind of strayed away from doing that, even though I'd always have mine on. And then just like last week, he had his camera on for the first time in a few months. It's like people want that extra kind of yeah. calm other at the moment, right? So people need that. Like, I think there's a big play in asynchronous as well at the moment. 
Mm. Like a lot of people are going after that. You could call it most, I don't know, a lot of people at the moment are talking about remote working. For me, mm. the more interesting part of remote working isn't remote working, it's tools that allow you to do things asynchronously as a team or with your customers. Bonjour sort of plays into that and there are lots of other tools at the moment that are playing into that that are really interesting. Um, mm. I think people want to get away from having to be on the thing with their team member because their team member might be in a different time zone and you, know, you can't, we're, we're across five different um, countries at Bonjour, lots of different time zones. We're found in Sydney. I'm here sort of London based. We've got people in the US, South Africa. So we can't be on the same thing all the time. So we need that sort of asynchronous communication tool. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So before we jump into some kind of tips and tactics around building out that influencer marketing channel for you guys at Bonjour, let's just talk quickly about some of the numbers. So I know that we can't share specific MRR and ARR because of some conversations that you guys are in at the moment. We can say that you guys, Bonjour, are one of the top fastest growing apps on Zapier. Is that right? Yeah, so it was 2019. Well, 2018, we were um, in their top 10 list of fastest growing apps. We were in it again last year. So this is Zapier's list they publish every year, which is the top apps for work. So basically looking at all of Zapier's customers, who's being connected to the most. Um, Bonjour was number 10 on that list last year. So growing very quickly. And it's really good for us because we want that. Because I talked about Bonjour being really deep on the integration side of things and bringing in all that data and sort of helping you do things at the right time. So Zapier is very much a big play on that side. Awesome. That's really cool. That's really good to hear. Congratulations on that too, because I know that like beginning that process, getting those first few, even just the first few connections when you are like building on the Zapier marketplaces can be pretty difficult. Like when I remember yeah. when I was at Leadfeeder, when we first began that process, like, cause you have to get to certain numbers before the team at Zapier give you a additional support and things like that. And I, I know that it was a pretty scrappy process to try and get as many as quickly as possible. Yeah. So the fact that you've done that, but then you're continuing to grow is, is good. Cause that means yeah. people are actually really using the tool rather than like you kind of forcing them to quickly connect on Zapier, you know? Yeah. They're very clever. Like early on, it felt a bit sort of laborious cause they're very specific, aren't they? With their language and what you can say, how you construct your sentences. It's really clever though, like the way they built it out. So everybody's doing it in the same way. But yeah, once you're in there, and we're now like a platinum partner. So yeah, we get a lot of support from them. We love the team. And yeah, it, it really helped. It's helped us grow. It's a real sort of foundational aspect of our growth being connected in with Zapier. Cool. Okay. And then so I know that you said to me when we were prepping for this, that the affiliate kind of marketing influencer channel that we're going to talk about was one of the big levers behind the early growth that you guys had at Bonjour. So we, I want to go deep on that. But I also want to ask you before we do that, like, how big a portion of the kind of marketing activity or like new user acquisition is coming from that channel still? And like, what are maybe just top level, a couple of the other things that you're doing or you're having fun with at the moment to help you guys acquire more customers? So yeah, I'd say the affiliate channel has grown from, you know, something early on where it's difficult to track it. Like, well, I think like any early stage business back in 2017, we were sort of hacking out, like tracking, trying to figure things out, get attribution going. But it's gone from being like a, a smallish part that we couldn't track that well to nowadays being something where like trackable. We know that it's about 20% of our traffic, but we also know that there's a sort of non-attributable element of that that comes from word of mouth from people hearing about you from affiliates uh, and influencers. That's probably another sort of 10% on top of that. So I really say it's probably sort of 30% of our traffic signups and paid customers. So it's a big part. Other things we've done, and one of, the, one of the most recent things we're doing is, as a business, we're really trying to help 
the marketplace of customers arriving at our site or hearing about us understand us beyond just being a video tool that you can use to send video emails to engage customers mm-hmm. and more go into what are the jobs that they're trying to achieve what are the goals what are the objectives of these people and actually then break down I've, i wrote a few months ago three months ago this thing called the video funnel playbook which is basically like 35 36 different plays of how everybody from sales cs marketing can use video specifically in their existing funnels so i'm really trying to get us to a point and this is at the moment this has just been a marketing thing but we're building it into the product so get us to a point where if someone arrives at our site they've almost arrived from the thing they're trying to solve the pain point their job they're trying to be trying to do and they know they can solve it with video personalized video um so yeah moving us away from just being a tool to this thing that solves your problems in all sorts of different ways. So yeah, a big part of that has been the video funnel playbook and we're all, we're going to productize that. So we're working on that at the moment. Awesome. That's really cool. And I think that's clear to see, even just from the, the way that the site is laid out at the moment, like the homepage, I was actually going to ask you about that anyway, because I can see that there's been some work going on in the messaging because it's very easy to default to like talking about the tool, right. And exactly what the tool does rather than the use case. And I can see like the use cases like structured very well on the site. So that's, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so let's let's go into this like influence marketing, affiliate marketing channel. I know we have a few like tips and tricks that you want to share. I want to start though by asking you, and I know this could be like a really long answer, so let's try and keep it as concise as possible almost. But for all those people that are in the SaaS Growth Hacks Facebook group, they're messaging me, they're on LinkedIn, and they're saying, hey, how do we start an affiliate marketing channel? Like what are maybe the first couple of steps that they should take or things that they should consider? So first step is don't go looking for, don't Google like affiliate platforms or whatever and go looking for like trade double and all these sorts of things. That's not going to work in the B2B SaaS space. You know, that's very B2C focused, consumer product focused. First thing to do is think about your customers. So what you want to do is think about how do you identify very early on customers or signups or early adopters that are coming into your product that have some level of influence and that might also be someone that could be an affiliate for you. So I think that's the first thing, focus on your customers. And early on, I'd say you can do that manually. So don't try and like set up automations and stuff around this. Like back in 2017, the first six months of Bonjoro, we were getting you know, a low enough level of signups for us to essentially research everybody that was coming in, figure out who they were, what their influence was, and engage them on a personal level. And you know, the fact that we're a personal video platform gave us a bit of an advantage every, anyway, because we were sending a personal video to everybody that signed up. So when we send that video, we could say, oh, by the way, I see you do this. You know, we'd love to work together in, in this way and you know, try and you know, say, well, we've just started up an affiliate program. Would you like to be part of it? And you know, so that's what, I think it's really about early on, focus on your own customers. Don't get ahead of yourself. So yeah, walk, walk before you run. Um, definitely in that sense awesome that's a really good tip and i think um yeah you're, you're right because i see often the question that people ask is what tool should i use to set up my affiliate program or um what commission should i offer for the affiliates or things like that and of course those are important at some point uh, i think the big mistake i maybe see i'm thinking about this from my personal perspective actually because because I post a lot of SaaS content, we only work with SaaS companies at Hey Digital. I have like SaaS experience in the background too. I end up getting quite a few tools that reach out to me asking me, hey, will you 
do a YouTube video for us or, Hey, we've got this affiliate program. And one of the, I guess one of the pain pains that I see with that, one of the things that kind of pisses me off when someone reaches out to me like that is usually I've never heard from them. I've never spoken to them before. And the message is like, Hey Dylan, like what you're doing at Hey Digital and your content. And, and sometimes they don't even do that. They'll be like, like what you're doing. We have an affiliate program where you can get 30% off. Um, let me know if you want to get on a call and yeah. things like that. I can't stand. So how would you recommend that they initiate that conversation without just coming off like a canned email or not actually caring about what they're saying? Well, I think to be honest, I feel like I think we'll come back to how you can do the cold outreach stuff because I think you've got to have, like I say, walk before you can run. I don't think you can do that before you're ready to do it. And you'll know when you're ready. And I'll, I'll, I can talk a bit to when you'll be ready to do that. So I think mm -hmm. focus on your early customers, focus on those early adopters because they're the ones that are saying, we're interested. We like what you do. We're probably going to be a word of mouth engine. What you want is a word of mouth engine, right? And the affiliate thing is just a way of supporting that and giving them something back. So it's not like you're leading with affiliate. You're not saying like, oh, affiliates, what we're doing. Really, you're doing like you want to push as much as you can that word of mouth engine to get going quickly. And affiliate is a, a way of rewarding those people that are going to be your biggest advocates. Mm -hmm. So start manually. We got very like lucky early on that some of our early signups were people with quite high level of influence, so like Pat Flynn, Smart mm. Passive Income, Del Beaumont, big sort of uh, influencer in, in Australia, uh, James Schranko, another uh, B2B influencer in Australia. But we really went like hard on the sort of, you know, engage them on a very, very personal level, do everything possible to make them feel like we want to support them. And we could tell they were getting value with our product as well. So if they're getting value with the product, even better. So that's the second thing I'd say is like, start with the manual stuff. And then I think your first automation, as you've sort of landed those first few, developed some cool relationships with the first people, got them onto your affiliate program, figured out, like in those early days, you're going to be figuring out all the messy bits of setting up an affiliate program, you know, like getting it, you know, the sign up triggers working and the commission, figuring out what commission level you want, figuring out how to pay people, like payouts, we can come back to that as well. So you don't want too many people in your program to start with. Mm -hmm. And you want those people to trust you and like you anyway. So the second thing, I'd say once you've done that and you've experimented and you're ready, set up maybe your first automation. And your first automation might be something, it's really about identifying customers that are getting a lot of value. So whatever your product is, for us it was customers that sent 200 Bonjour videos and had like an 80% uh, plus open rate. And we, would set, we set up an automation going out from Matt, our CEO, saying, hey, you know, do you have a blog, podcast or whatever? You know, love to talk to you. So we already knew they were happy getting value because of the automation. And then the responses we'd get from those, we got loads of responses and they led to conversations and those conversations lead you to more affiliates and more influencers and that word of mouth stuff. Do you think a mistake that some people make when they're trying to build influence programs is that they try it too early? Yeah, I think so. I, I think you've got to go, like my view of any type of growth is grow through your customers first. And once you've exhausted all of those like massive, like ready-made advocates, mm -hmm. then move on to the other stuff. This might be slightly different for companies that are doing, that aren't complete. We're completely inbound. So we don't have a sales team. So it'll be different for you know, those sort of sales driven organizations. But anybody inbound, when you're getting those signups, I think like really go deep on your, and this applies to ads as well. Mm -hmm. I know loads of like SaaS companies that don't even do cold ads. They're just purely retargeting. Because you want people to feel like you're bigger than you are. And the best way to do that is like retargeting because you've got this sort of echo chamber effect and 
and then with that the word of mouth engine goes again because they're seeing you everywhere and they're like oh god you see these Bordura guys everywhere and they'll talk to other people so yeah i think like one of the dangers and what one of the sort of things that people do do wrong in growth is try to jump ahead of themselves and go too fast um yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that so far as well. I know we have a few other points. One that I'm interested in touching on, if you think it makes sense to talk about this now too, is you said we could run through a few tips on, okay, once they've got those initial um, early customers and they've started to build out that initial affiliate program, like, and they've been personal with them, et cetera, then where they go for like some quick tips on running an affiliate channel with maybe limited resources. So like, okay, if you are going to use a platform, which one do you use? Are there specific platforms you would recommend, et cetera? Like where would you go once you've got that proof of concept, I guess you would call it, the affiliate program? I use Tapfiliate and I still use that to this day. And I used it early on because price-wise, it's much better than a platform like Get Ambassador, which is, I think, built more for people that are in that later stage, getting tons and tons of signups, maybe have a team managing the affiliate program. I really like Tapfiliate and... One of the other things about Tapfiliate is you can sort of build your affiliate landing page, you know, sort of instructional stuff, like getting people signed up, how much commission they're going to get, all of that, just with the Tapfiliate program. So you don't have to build a separate landing page. So once you're at that point, you know, look at, you know, look at a platform like Tapfiliate in terms of getting more people signed up as well. So once you've gone through those sort of early adopters, build it into your platform. So the profile drop down within your platform and so on logs in and put your affiliate program in there. That's a big one. You know, we did that and overnight, I think I got 60% increase in applicants pretty much overnight. Wow. That's a huge thing. You've gone from sort of figuring out your program and then all you do is put like a little tab and you don't even have to build it into your platform. Just put a tab and you can just redirect it to the affiliate landing page that you've already built with something like Tapfiliate. And overnight, you'll get more customers signing up. And again, you can do the sort of, you know, you don't have to approve everyone. So you can look, you know, are these going to be the right sort of people for my program? Another part of it, and I would say this because I'm at Bonjour, is like be hyper-personal yeah. with affiliates. Don't let any of them go to waste. Send them all a personalized video, whatever it might be, and give them ideas as well. So I actually stole you know, affiliate programs. I think ConvertKit are probably like one of the leading people in the last mm -hmm. five years. Created an amazing affiliate program. I think about three years. Got about 10,000 affiliates. So I essentially stole, not word for word, but their idea of how to inspire people to talk about you. So on that landing page, you want to give them ideas quickly. So it's like, you know, list us in your resources page. You can write a blog about us, podcast, whatever it is. But when you send your personalized video, your personalized outreach, when they've signed up, reinforce some of those. So look at their business and make it even more personal. So I will go, oh, by the way, I spot you've got a podcast. You know, here's a great idea. We've done podcasts with these people. It could be about X, Y, and Z. So go really hyper-personal. I guess like for someone like you, that's going to work much better than some of this other outreach that you get. Like you're really going to listen to that one versus the other stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's not an affiliate partnership as such, but like we're, a, we're an agency partner with drift. They're the only company that we've like partnered with. And that's because we're like, it's part of our service offering with some of our customers helping build out those like conversational um, marketing workflows and bringing that into the ads, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things that they do extremely well is like, I've never had a, a relationship with an external company where I felt so, so much attention and love, even though knowing that we're such a small portion of their wider business, you know, and they do that very well. It's like we have this master partner resources deck where there's like 
hundreds of different things that are just ready-made that we can use or that we can slightly edit. There's ideas if we want to do webinars with them or podcasts or whatever. So I totally agree because those are the, those are the only company that I work with from that kind of angle. And I talk about them all the time as results, even if I'm not, as you say, this is where the untrackable thing comes in, right? Is I'm not sharing a link, but I've probably mentioned them on every podcast interview so far. And I like talk about it with other people. If people ask me for examples of um, good marketing assets or something like that, it's always my kind of go to. So, yeah. They're always intangibles. And I think you shouldn't be scared. I know like Dave Gerhard, who's the, you know, who moved from Drift recently, but I remember him putting out a tweet about a year ago saying something like, don't get caught up that everything has to be like direct response. You have to be able to attribute everything. There are certain intangibles uh, that you will be able to sense. And I think one big thing we do here actually is we listen to anecdotal feedback coming back from customers. If you have customers coming in, signing up, saying certain things, share that with your team. Like we have a Slack channel where if anybody ever hears anything from a customer about where they heard about us, they put it in there. So if we can't track that, it might be that you know, we couldn't track that. It's not coming up on our Google Analytics, but we've mm-hmm. got a channel where anecdotally as a team, we can feel you know, that word of mouth engine and feel what's really happening with it. So that's a big thing. So I'd mm-hmm. say like, you know, I guess like where we're at in the conversation, you're probably like a year or two in or 18 months in, you're figuring out your affiliate program. You've then like worked through all of that stuff. You've got these early adopters. You've, you've got customers coming in and signing up to your affiliate program. By that point, you're probably getting big enough and talked about in enough places. Then you've got that credibility and you can probably flip to outreach and trying to get people interested in you. So this is the point where if someone came to you, you might go, oh, right, interesting. They've done some interesting stuff. They've been on tons of podcasts. They've got a massive backlink profile of like other blogs talking about them. So you know, I don't think you can do that stuff until you've gone through like your best early adopters first. Yeah. And that's also, I guess, slightly different, but that's how we ended up having this conversation. The two of us actually was because like, I've been connected with you for a long time on LinkedIn as we were just talking about with, with Casey from your like team as well. And I know that he reached out to me a couple months ago talking about the program, I think. And then I said like, Hey, it probably wasn't right for me at that point. But then when we launched the podcast, he reached out again. And because I've had that contact with you guys before, I know who you are. I see like the social proof on the site and everything else. It, it just, organically turns into a conversation like this. So yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's go into just like maybe one or two other tips and then we'll kind of start to wrap things up a little bit. This is one that I actually haven't heard anybody else doing. So thinking about identifying people that have influence in the B2B space, one hack that I came up with, which is it's really simple, but I haven't heard anybody talk about it is use something like Hrefs. If you go into that, put in a search for like a competitor, or like a related company to, to you. So I'll give you an example. I could put in like clickfunnels.com. And then when that search comes back, I can look at all the backlinks to ClickFunnels, go into the little advanced search and put in the word affiliate or like tap affiliate or something, some, some sort of identifier that might be in that backlink. And what you're doing there is you're looking up that brand, essentially finding all the backlinks that are being sent to their website and then filtering through for people, blogs, you know, whoever it might be, influencers that are sending them traffic who are existing affiliates of them. And that's then a high likelihood that if they're in your space, in your niche, you can then build that into a list of people that you might want to reach out to. So I think that's like, rather than looking for these B2B influencer platforms, use something like an SEO tool or keyword tool like Ahrefs. It can get a $7 trial for seven days or something on Ahrefs. You can do all your research quickly there. 
and you've almost got like a ready-made like affiliate radar or something you know of your competitors so that's one thing that i'd say give that a go it's something that's worked really well for me that's a really good point because just to echo that as well i would say that even if you did set up one of those influencer like search platforms or whatever it might be to be honest like not throwing shade on too many people, but a lot of people within the B2B space, what you would classify as like an influencer on social by those tools is usually like engagement rates or follower numbers, et cetera. Yeah. And within B2B, like everyone's been through the kind of growth hacking phases of just growing a Twitter account to loads of followers or constantly reposting those different things or whatever it might be. And actually a lot of the time, or even if you look at those articles where it's like top 10 B2B sales influencers or top 20 or whatever it might be, like, people often don't realize that you can just pay and get in one of those articles or you have a friend that works here and you can get into one of those articles. Like it's very simple to do that kind of stuff. So that approach that you mentioned makes a lot more sense because I think you're actually going to find, as you said, not only relevant people, but people that are actually have an audience already or are actively promoting things already. Maybe to add on to that too. Obviously I haven't done this myself, but when we're doing the paid research and like paid ads for a lot of our customers, of course, we're actively targeting like competitor keywords. So it will be things like in, in this case, if we were working with one of your competitors, right, we might target an ad on Bonjuro alternative or Bonjuro comparison article or something like that. Maybe what you could do is actually just go and search uh, your competitor comparison and see, because often there's lots of bloggers or other affiliates yeah. that write comparison articles and rank them number two or three on Google to help out that company, right? Yeah. That yeah. could be another good way to maybe find some um, some relevant people too. Totally, totally. And, and I love that you touched on that fact that those like influencer platforms might just have like a social following that's almost like a sort of false or misleading like following. And yeah, with you know this sort of pack like Ahrefs, you know, whatever you use, maybe like Moz or something, you're able to see the, the strength of that bank backlink, yeah. you know, how much traffic you know, does it get? Is it legitimate? And, you know, really, you know, is that going to send any traffic back to, is that person really going to have a proper influence for you and your brand? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a really great tip. Okay, cool. Maybe one more like tip What's what's one of the favorite ones that you have left that you think would be beneficial to everyone watching, listening to this. In terms of like B2B influencers at the moment, I'd say there's no other channel bigger than podcasts. It's crazy. Mm. Podcasts are a huge, a huge channel now. So if you're thinking about influence, really try and develop a, a structure around how you approach podcasts, like how you reach out to them. Like Casey, I actually like basically like when we brought Casey on, you mentioned him earlier in, the, in this uh, chat, he's come on as a growth manager. He's going to go into sort of a role of called head of growth because he's bloody amazing. Um, but he came in essentially just to build our podcast channel and our outreach on that. And what we did early on, we identified that like listennotes.com is actually a really great place to sort of look through because you can put in particular keywords and actually within listen notes, it'll then filter down podcasts that are around a particular keyword or a person or whatever you've put into their search tool. And it generally has like the contact details in there for them. He's done tons and tons of outreach to podcasts to try and sort of level up our, you know, some of these people might become affiliates. We're not running that relationship. This is just the sort of more of like a marketing thing where we talk, you know, value for the audience, but some might be affiliates. And uh, yeah, he's really created a structure around that. And I'd say, you know, a site like Listen Notes is, is interesting, but you've got to be really serious about it. Like Casey spends like six, seven hours a day going through crafting hyper personal outreach to people to do this. You can't do it half heartedly. You just, you will fail. You'll send out like, you know, a hundred messages and get nothing back. Don't, like I said earlier, the mental model of like, if you want a response, like 
high touch if you want to drive action or get a response do it hyper personalized otherwise it's just going to fail so yeah that's awesome that's really good advice and it also shows i know some people are scared to put that like work in of five six hours a day or seven hours a day whatever it might be but you guys wouldn't be and like you wouldn't have casey doing this if it wasn't working right so people should take people should take note to that too and i really like the tip because the listennotes.com that you mentioned i didn't even know that existed until just now so i'm gonna go and check what that is too because that yeah. could be useful for me but yeah awesome okay cool thank you for like thank you for doing this thank you for sharing so many actionables about how you've actually done this yourself too how you guys have built out this SaaS influencer b2b influencer channel at bonjour i really appreciate it some really good stuff in here is there anything else cool that you guys have going on at the moment that you would want to share with people or like i know you mentioned you had that that kind of playbook that you created in the past like what would be something useful that people could go and take a look at if they wanted to find out not just more about you but more about how they can bring yeah. video into their and personalized outreach into their process yeah i think i think that's probably the main one so bonjour.com forward stroke video funnel playbook is the big one because that took us like that took me like three months of work essentially going through like interviewing like tons of our customers like hundreds of our customers and figuring out exactly how they're using video. Because really when you create a product, you don't know how it's gonna be used by the marketplace. So people went out and started doing stuff that we had no idea they'd be doing with video. And we then had to go out and figure out what it was they were doing better than us. Because we were dog fooding our own product, doing onboarding videos. I'd send videos to my new affiliates. But other people were out there doing amazing things that we never thought possible. Like we had um, an e-commerce company in, in Denmark that had gone from you know, they had pretty good trust pilot rating, but they went to number one in the entire men's fashion category in the whole of Denmark by sending personalized videos showing people like the products they were sending out. They'd send a video saying it's on its way, it's being delivered now. And then like two days later, they'd send their typical, their normal, will you leave us a review? And from putting the video in between, like, you know, here's your delivery coming out and then the review ask going out, they'd like tripled their review response rate. And they went, yeah, their, their reviews just went crazy. So that's one of the things we put in the playbook. So we really interviewed everyone around that. So if you're in sales, CS, marketing, um, in SaaS, obviously we're talking SaaS people, that's got sort of everything you'd need to know and lots of different ideas that are like ready-made templates for how you could use video within your existing workflows. And then the second thing is we're just about to launch a screen recorder. And for us, this is going to be like, there are lots of screen recorders out there. There are some great ones, you know, like Loom. Um, for us, the play here is really going to be about fitting in with, if anybody out there that's listening has used Bonjuro, we're all about that flow of using video at the right times. So this is helping us when a one-to-one -one video isn't the right thing, like a sort of, you know, face it, face your video isn't the right thing to do. If you want to educate your customer, I'm talking about a sort of more medium touch thing or send like a, a message to a group of customers to educate them about something. We really wanted to have that screen recorder so people could do that educational element. So really like one-to-one -one, hyper personalized driving action, getting responses is great. But further down the funnel, when you want to educate your customers and update them on stuff, sometimes that also isn't always scalable. So we're releasing this Chrome recorder alongside to do that. So that's going to be uh, free as well when we launch it, unlimited videos, HD recording. So yeah, check that out. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for coming on the show and uh, thank you for sharing all of those tips. Ollie, it was really good to have you here.